Welcome back to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke, and this is episode 35. What's up, Lauren? 35. We are here. I'm excited about episode 35. We are here, yes. I put no thought into any football players. See, now you're just going to make it like a thing if we do that every time. Well, just because I, of course, I had to, and I have nothing. Yeah, there nothing. is no there is no 35. I don't think there was ever 35. a 35 that played 35. football ever anywhere on the planet. Kevin on any Durant. Sport, at any level. Kevin Durant was 35 at, at uh, OKC. Uh, Kevin Durant played for the Thunder? Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> we pretty much disowned him after he left uh, on July 4th. You remember the day. I do. Wow, that just went south quick. I know, I'm just saying. Huge gaping wound for Brooke James out there. <laughs> just ask him about the OKC Thunder oh, and man. how many MVP candidates or MVP <sighs> winners they Gosh. had on that team at one point. Man, that's rough. Uh, you know what? Speaking of, of nothing. Um, Speaking of nothing. Conspiracy theory. Oh, I'd no. like to just start our podcast with. Uh, <laughs> I believe, this is. I, I have this on good authority uh-huh. from multiple sources. Hmm that Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. actually renewed his contract with the Packers just so he could sabotage their entire season. Wow. They lost by like 30-something. Just so to the Saints. Can, huh? it's, a, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> I, read, I, I read that. I was, I was cracking up. That's exactly what people are. Somewhere, somebody, Rodgers is tanking it, man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I saw that. Uh, I saw something about uh, Jameis Winston had uh, LASIK surgery, and now he can throw the deep yeah, ball. Now he can. <laughs> he's not squinting. <laughs> he's like now he can see that far. Oh, Lord. I was like, I don't, I don't know how accurate that is. I just, I read a headline. He, it was, I thought that was I really funny. I think he threw. I'm not even kidding. I think Winston threw 20 passes, and he threw five touchdowns. I'm yeah. not kidding. Like, well, clearly the man can see. There was now. a there was a quote from Drew Brees, and he was like, "Oh, so this is what the Saints have been missing—being <laughs> able to throw the deep ball or something like that." Okay, speaking of Drew Brees, can oh, we go God. down the 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 rabbit trail of now Drew Brees has hair? Did you see him commentating on national television? I did not. He see used him to have commentating. like almost no hair, um, and all of a sudden, now that he's you know in the booth and his tie and sport jacket, he's got he's got good hair. <laughs> For men everywhere, he's, he's giving that, us like, hope. Just for men or something? I guess so. <laughs> or is that the coloring? I don't know. Okay, we're off the rails. <laughs> okay, so uh, just to to uh, go back to last week. So last week we talked about, and we talked about this yesterday. Uh, you made me get up on stage and talk about it. So um, I didn't make you Yes, get you up did. You texted me on Saturday while I was gone, and you said, hey, by the way, for, you're on tomorrow. For and all then, of our listeners out there. And then Tanner texted me on Sunday morning. It was like, by the way, I don't know if you've looked on the on the plan, but you're on there twice, so good luck. Yeah, God forbid one of our pastors <laughs> is up on stage on a Sunday morning sharing from the heart about what God is doing. It's there's, can, can I get a little... For all of our <laughs> listeners out there, for any and all of you who know Brooke, for any and all of you who think... <laughs> that we do need to hear more from this guy on how to engage our city and the world. And we can totally do that through yes. other means we rather can. than standing we on can. a stage. We just need to hear your people. voice, my friend. So anyway, what were you, what were you going to make sure you follow up with? So we talked about the, uh, the, the response as far as the church goes and how we can respond in, to Afghanistan. Fantastic response. It was absolutely. So Afghanistan and Haiti and Louisiana 
And uh, so I want to give you an update, and I know you know this because you were there yesterday. And some of our listeners may not have, but have right. So there may yet. may have not have been some people. And if you just happen to listen to the podcast and you don't uh, you don't regularly attend, or you're just a random person that happened to find this anyway. So you, we did uh, a one week kind of a hey, if you would like to join us in partnering with these couple of organizations as we give to these different uh, different areas, uh, Haiti and uh, Louisiana and uh, Afghanistan. Um, we had $20,839.10 come in, uh, which we had said we were going to match with our Outside the Walls fund up to $10,000. So uh, if you do all the math, that's ultimately it's $30,839.10. So uh, if you split that up, that's basically we said we sent uh, $10,279.70 to Louisiana, and then we sent... Uh, the same amount to uh, to Haiti, but through World Relief, they were getting that matched. So that meant that there was $20,559.40 that went to uh, specifically to Haiti. And uh, so if you if you remember, we talked about this um, the in Haiti that takes about 120 bucks for a family to get temporary housing or temporary shelter. Uh, and a relief kit that is like um, sheets and uh, shower stuff and toothpaste and you know the things that, that that they need just to 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 make it. So 171 families are taken care of through that money, and then the same uh, $10,279.70 goes to the uh, World Relief Fund that is resettling Afghan families here in the, in Texas. So. Uh, we also talked about that that it would take ten thousand dollars to resettle a family of four Afghan uh, uh, Afghan family that that is here in Texas in the United States here um, to be there for ninety days. So uh, they that they, they take ninety days and they feel like that's the amount of time it takes for them to kind of start getting their feet underneath them, the ways that they work with them and uh, and go that route. So basically, one hundred seventy one families um, specifically in Haiti and a full family funded for 90 days here in Texas as an Afghan family. That's so cool. I wish I had great, great detail like that in Louisiana, but they're still uh, dealing with uh, rubble and It's still very and, fresh. And yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that you can get us more updates as it, as it unfolds. Um, if I get more, I am, I am all for it. Hmm. I'm all for it. So all of that Probably money. i have to stick you back on stage just to man, hear the update. Just can't wait for that. Yes. Uh, yeah. So all that money is getting sent out this week to uh, to those different areas, and uh, so we we'll get some get some families taken care of, and it's just it was really cool. Can I also um, you shared a little bit of this on stage yesterday, but can I just add? Uh, let me be really transparent. So I'm sitting there with Pat Page uh, over lunch last week, and we got the word that the giving was really, really generous and good, and to the outside outside the walls fund and these these particular needs. And we were both like high fiving. We're yeah. at a restaurant, just awesome. so excited. But I said out loud, "Okay, you know what? If our our regular giving, as far as what it, what it needs to be to meet our minist- ongoing ministry expenses, is is roughly twenty two thousand dollars a week. That's what if you add up our money and divide by fifty two weeks, you know. Um, and I just said to Pat, I'm like, you know what? If if we find out that our regular giving was twenty thousand dollars. And all this other money has been given to meet mm. these needs. I am going to be just so jazzed, you know. But flip side is if we find out, okay, <laughs> we had $4,000 given uh, to our regular tithes and offerings, mm-hmm. our general fund. 
everybody just switched buckets. Everybody just, well, instead of right. giving to the church this week, I'm just going to give to these, meet these needs, right. which still would have been, you know, a good thing. Right. But to me, if I can be this blunt, it, it would reflect to me, a lack of spiritual maturity and a lack of true sacrificial giving. It's just, you know, I don't know if Robin Peter to pay Paul is the right cliche, but it's just, it's not necessarily <laughs> moving forward, you know? Um, and then to find out that our regular giving was almost $21,000 and our, our giving outside the walls was almost $21,000 was incredible. Just yep. absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I'm just so encouraged. So to everybody who, who claims colonial as your church home way to go and let's not stop. Uh, I think, Maybe this is just a, a glimmer of hope, a, a, a glimpse of, okay, God does own it all. He's going to take care of us. Let's, let's give sacrificially, uh, including just the regular giving to the church that allows us to continue to be the, the, the change agent that he wants us to be. We want to do more of these things. Uh, I, don't think our, I don't think the times we're going to say, hey, everybody give to this specific need. I don't think those are going to be very common. Uh, my hope is that people just can continually, or, or maybe I should say increasingly trust our church leadership and trust that where our hearts are and just seeing, seeing the church be a change agent, seeing the church be active yeah. in the kingdom advancing. So sorry, I went off a little rant there, but I'm just so encouraged. I'm so yeah. encouraged. And really I, I, I say this mostly facetiously. I need to say that up front, but uh, Brooke, just great leadership on your part, <laughs> man. Just great leadership. Mostly facetiously. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. Um, just in uh, it was it was just cool. The 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 person that I was talking to um, at World Relief, um, just trying to work out the details and what's the best way to give this so that we can make sure this you know family gets taken care of and this goes directly to Haiti and not just um, okay we made a donation good luck. Um, and uh, so I was just kind of laying out okay well here's what here's what we're looking for or here's what we're, we're we're thinking this is what it's looking like and I got back an email that was a whole bunch of emojis and all caps and like that's awesome and does it work that's incredible God's provision is amazing and we're rejoicing with you and so it was it was just cool to uh, mm. you know to get that from their side as well that they they were just as excited and um, and then she uh, and then she immediately was like okay so tell me how to listen to the podcast because I want to go and, and hear what oh, you no guys way. talk about on the podcast. And so, awesome. so Cal, if you're listening, thanks for, uh, thanks for hooking us up and, and helping us figure all that out. I really appreciate it. So, mm. so yeah. Um, so, so we also talked about, uh, we also talked about something that we're celebrating this week. That is the 25th anniversary of Lori Thomas, uh, making the decision to mm. come on to staff at Colonial Church. And you were, you were here back then when you, you hired her. Is that correct? You talking to me? I've been, <laughs> I've been here three years. Oh, so we always we always joke. She that was legendary long, long before, before I came. We, along. Yeah, we always joke that Lori came came with the building that that, <laughs> that, that she's been here as long as Colonial Church. So has, we we so bought our campus back in the day from uh, Evangel Temple. Right. A lot of people don't know that, but Evangel Temple before they built their property out on the west side of town was was here at our site. And I think you're right. I think it's in the contract. We bought the building, and with it, we had a couple of toys, including Lori Thomas. That's right. So we have to. We always have to keep Lori happy, uh, because we're we're afraid that if Lori ever was to leave, that the building would go with her, and we'd mm. be homeless. Well, I no? think there's a clause that she can <laughs> she can actually never be fired. <laughs> that's right. That's, she's that's she's literally she's her. literally been grandfathered in. <laughs> 
<laughs> we know Lori listens faithfully. Uh-huh. She's cooking right now, listening to the podcast. Right. Lori, we're crazy about you. I can't believe, seriously, all seriousness, like for anybody the last 25 years, church can be hard and messy right. and it has its highs and lows, beautiful things. She's been around for amazing life change with people. She's seen kids grow up and become parents and leaders. And all at the same time, she's had, she's gone through some, some difficult seasons personally and with the church and love your tenacity, Lori, and the way you lead our kids ministry. Yeah. Love it. Also, it's her birthday this week. So if you know her, uh, jump Absolutely. on Facebook and, happy birthday and tell again. her happy birthday. Absolutely. Uh, you can tell her that next weekend if you see her, if you see her running around after you get your kids checked in. So that's always fun. So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's the 25th anniversary for Lori. That's really exciting. So. Um, wanted to make sure we gave gave Lori a shout out. I think well, she was in her early forties when she came on staff. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> uh, you guys are fun. Uh, you, since you guys argue, basically, if you don't know, she uh, Lori and Lauren uh, argue about the who, who's the oldest and which one of them is ancient. I am slower. I'll give you. I'll give. I'll give her that. <laughs> Well, the question is, is she actually cooking right now while she's listening to this? Because <laughs> did she get, does she have her sense of taste back after, after her bout with COVID that she's, uh, I think she's all better. I think she's good. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, Lori, we're, we're, we love you. We're glad you're here and we do uh, happy 25. Okay. So this was an interesting, an interesting week or weekend as we, uh, as a nation, start to uh, look back on 20 years. Uh, it's been 20 years since uh, since 9/11. Um, I think it's. Uh, I don't want to. Didn't want to pass up that uh, that that opportunity to just take a moment and 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 remember that. But I'm curious uh, from just to hear from your perspective. From you know, I think everybody. It's kind of one of those things. It's like everybody remembers where they were and yeah. what they were doing. No and doubt. Uh, just just curious of your perspective there. No doubt. I remember uh, even just hearing a random friend, a younger friend, uh, saying, "Yeah, I remember. I was is probably one of the rare days in seventh grade. Mm. You know, I even remember. Right. I remember it vividly because of what our teacher was." Was saying and turn on the TV and uh, for me I was 31 I was on Young Life staff um, and I like everybody I'll never forget turning that TV on I think I think probably a pivotal moment for so many of us was after the first one hit the tower uh, we were we were freaked out but we just all assumed it was an accident and yeah and just didn't really just all kind of just shocked and but I the the vivid terrifying moment for me probably like a lot of people is when we saw the second one hit uh it was like oh this is this is not an accident yeah um crazy 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 and then just one of those it's one of those things it's like you you know you you can't turn away from it we always talk about that uh you know it's it's some sort of a wreck that you just can't keep your eyes you can't peel your eyes away from it's it's painful and 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 it's just it's just so difficult mm-hmm. but you can't you can't not watch you can't yeah. not look at it and i remember that i remember that morning just sitting there i worked at a restaurant in the back and i remember my manager came and told me and she was like like struggling to get words out mm-hmm. and she was like just just come watch tv and i was like well that's weird i'm here to work and you want me to come watch tv so we, went, we literally sat at the bar in this restaurant for hours that morning and did nothing and just yeah, we just all stopped. sat there and watched the news. Like yeah. there wasn't, there's was nobody coming to the restaurant. There was nothing to do. It was just everything stopped. And yeah. um, growing up, uh, I grew up just north of Oklahoma City, and so the 
it was it was it was it was eerily similar from uh, April nineteenth and ninety five when the uh, that's when the Timothy McVeigh yeah when bombing. the o- when the Oklahoma City when the 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 Murr building was bombed that was ninety five um, was ninety five yeah mm. so I was in uh, let's see I would have been um, I would have been I think I was in high school almost. Almost in high school, but I maybe not quite. I think you were 15, 14. Yeah, I would have been. I think it was a junior yeah, high school. Yeah, high school, 14, 15. I don't know. But I remember, I, rem- I, I still remember that day. I remember the feeling because it was close enough that we could feel it. That it was, I mean, we were still like, you know, 30 miles away and we could feel the, we could feel it happen and, uh, and we could hear it. And it was just, it's just, you know, it was so eerily similar to watch that happen, um, you know, in 9 11 and, um, uh, just the same, the same kind of feelings of like, okay, so now what do we do now? How do we, how do we come together? And I remember, you know, when I was, when I was 15, or I guess I wasn't 15, I was 14. Um, when, when the Murr building was bombed and watching Oklahoma and surrounding States just, um, pour everything they could into it. And, uh, you know, getting the, getting the, the rescue people out there, the first responders, getting the dogs out there. And, um, I was too young to be able to do much, but I remember going to a, a local TV station and, um, and, uh, uh, helping load trucks of supplies and food and, uh, things like that, that they were taking down to the site for, for all of that. Cause I mean, you're 14, so what are you going to do? But, um, but then, then to watch, you know, watch the same kind of thing happen after nine 11, where it was like, you know, we always talk about nine 12. We don't always talk about that, but, but on nine 12, like watching the world even come together and, yeah. and support, um, you know, what do we have to do to, uh, to help, you know, absolutely. It's not even, not even about response in that moment. It mm. was just about like, how do you, how do you help? How do you lend a hand? How do we send stuff? How do we send doctors or, yeah. or whatever needed to go? Right. And, um, so that's, that's just like, what sticks out to me, but like with any problem, you add a bunch of emotion and, and I don't think this is just a guy thing. You just, okay, wh- what can I do? Mm-hmm. I, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the, one of the moments that that makes me think of is when, when, uh, president George W. Bush was at ground zero and, mm-hmm. and somebody said, you know, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. And he said, I can hear you. And they're going to, I'm not doing it justice, but they're going to hear, they're all going to hear us, you know? Yeah. Probably his most impressive, like off the cuff. That wasn't normally his strength. Yeah. Right. Right. That's all, you know, statements, (laughs) but that was that, like, I get moved seeing that 20 years later, you know, like, yes, let's go get them. You know, (laughs) um, it doesn't feel very Christ-like in the moment to have that anger well up in me, but I remember that sense of anger, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, I remember conversations that I had with my parents after that, like, is this the time to go join the military? Like I was in school and I was, I was in college and I was not a good student. I was just there because you're supposed to do that after high school. At least that's, you know, the prevailing thought. And so I just didn't know. I wasn't, I was kind of killing time, if you will. And so I remember that time being like, man, is this a time that, you know, I'm not really built for military life, but is this the time that you that you jump on board and and go that route? And so I yeah I remember that I remember you know just just trying to uh, uh, wrap our minds around what is what is life and everybody had flags everywhere for you know weeks following and I don't know mm. so so we had a question come in 
um, from from yesterday, and uh, I want to read this to you and give you a chance to respond to it in, in whatever way you'd like here. So it says, um, I'm sitting in church today thinking about the events that happened 20 years ago and how the country, our people, came together in unity. So what about now? Why can't we, our people, come together during this pandemic? Mm. That's a great question. I, uh, yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts too, Brooke. Um, man, my first thoughts, especially thinking of the emotion of, of 9-11 and just the, the aftermath, the, the short-term aftermath, is a lot of anger, a lot of calls for justice. Um, what comes to mind for me is we had a common enemy. You know, just like you could argue in decades, decades earlier, you know, the, the Soviet Union served to be this common enemy, yeah. the, the Cold War, mm-hmm. it unified a lot of people, uh, even the fear attached to it unified a lot of people. I think the fear of being attacked on our own soil and not knowing what was coming next or where it was coming from, knowing they're still out there, uh, bin Laden and, and Al Qaeda and anthrax uh, and yes. all that stuff that was right yeah, you behind get powdery it. substances and envelopes yeah. you know delivered to schools and uh i think it i think it did serve to unify us in, in a really powerful way i i remember people who didn't like bush you know right that all of a sudden were were bush fans and when he threw know? out the pitch at the at the first game in yankee stadium or whatever Very right, right afterwards response like everyone and, was and yeah. and that does that happen i mean in fairness was that happening before that no yeah. Uh, is it happened since much? No. So mm-hmm. I think, I think it was a unique time. Um, I think in some ways, um, man, things have just changed so much. Right. I mean, I probably feel like I, I sound like an old person saying this, but you know, 20 years, our, our political climate, uh, you know, not even getting into partisan politics, but just, just recognizing that, it's different. The enemy is not somebody out there anymore. Mm. You know, maybe China for us, you know, in the movies or, or <laughs> maybe, maybe still, you know, with, with recent events, maybe the Taliban or, or somebody else that, that we have concerns about or fear from fear for or whatever. But I think by and large, the enemy is our neighbor. Mm. who voted differently. And see, I, I mean, um, is you, you bring up, you bring up the, the, the enemy, but when, you know, when you're talking about the cold war or, um, you know, world war two or, or, or earlier or whatever, um, those were enemies that, yeah, but they're still over there. And then when this happened, it was like, it happened here, Yeah. but there was never, there was never like that sense of, you know, are they going to, I don't, I mean, I don't say never, but, you know, I don't remember thinking, man, are they going to come over and try to invade, you know, like, like a, like, like Germany in, in World War right. II, you know, that was, tra- that was taking over land or, or the, the, the fear of how, did, how did Russia you, might come over did here. Did you see Red Dawn? Come on. <laughs> Either version. I did. I did yes. <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> uh, now that you derailed that, that's good. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, so, so for me, I think about, I think about like, um, the same same things like the division that's here. Like when when that happened, um, there was people of all different races and nations, and you know, in that building, there was you know first responders that didn't have anything necessarily in the moment to do with politics. Although you could probably track that down, but it, you know, for for the country, it was like this thing happened to us. Um, and and I it, to me, it almost feels like that's different with the pandemic. You yeah. know, 
Um, yeah. With the pandemic, it's not it's not affecting everyone. When we did shelter in place or things were shut down, yeah, that affected everybody. Yeah. Um, but I think about people that that have not been affected by the virus. Um, that or have at not. least affected differently. I mean, right. I mean, I, th- I would make a strong argument that we've all been impacted ripple effects of all kinds well right but i mean i mean with the with in the in the um uh in the same kind of sense of 9-11 where it was like you know true three thousand people or whatever the the actual number is died immediately that and and it was an attack it was a surprise yeah um this has been a long you know it's been a year and a half like it's not well, and what what it wasn't a quick and and oh my gosh this thing just happened it grew over time and what really comes to mind when you when you put it that way, though, is the enemy was was people. There were particular people, Osama bin Laden, for right, example. Right. That was the enemy. We're having a hard time wrapping our brain around that the enemy is a virus. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the enemy becomes. You know, pick your person. I'm not trying to be political here, but you know, the per it, it's Fauci or it's a it's a somebody a Surgeon General or it's a president, whether it was Trump or Biden or it's 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 a it's the enemy somehow in light of that question about why are we so divided about vaccinations and masks and uh you know the origin of the virus and you know what's true and what's real it's so hard to make the virus the enemy i think for people for some reason um we just we make it personal and it's typically the people on the other side people who that we just disagree with i think fear has been weaponized. If I could be that bold, yeah. Uh, I think I think that different people groups. I'm not picking on any one people group, but I think different people groups take something like fear and use it as a weapon to divide. Uh, in a way that, bluntly put, united us 20 years ago. Fear, um, even if it, if you want to be super cynical and say call it the uh, military-industrial complex, you know, took this fear of ours and started a war. Yeah, but we all felt this fear, and we were able to do something about it, uh, even if it was just putting our flag up. Right now, fear is being weaponized to cause us to to be really mean and 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 distrustful to other people who live on our street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a it's a it's a funky. Well, and even as you said, um, you know, struggling to 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 find that enemy or to, to latch that onto something like in, you know, with nine 11, even whether you're a, a, you know, you don't like going to war or, or the killing involved or, you know, the, all, all the above, right. It's still the common agreed upon response is we have to go do something. We have to go track these people down. We have to go find them. And with, you know, if you talk about COVID-19, like that's, that's not a thing. Like, it's not like, well, we have to go track down, you know, there's some people like, like you said, that want to find out where the, the, what's the origin of the virus or, you know, how do we, how do we fight it or whatever, but there's so many, it's just, it's just so broad as far as how do you respond to this that, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that in a political climate that is completely divided, that it gets real easy to latch onto one thing. And then yeah. and we don't have that common agreed upon enemy, if you will. Right. Right. That makes it difficult. It's it. The saddest part of this, if if we can make it super personal, is you know just as as leaders here at Colonial, as friends to people here in our community, it just makes me so sad how even just disagreements within our church, within any church, this is not unique to Colonial, but within any church, 
about the virus in general, about specifics, vaccinations, about uh, mandates, about masks, uh, about social distancing. It, it's amazing to me how divisive it can be to the point where even now I'm picking my words super carefully. Like mm. I'm, I'm nervous I'm going to misspeak or, or even just share too boldly what I think about something. And, you know, umpteen people are going to leave the church, you know, and so, and so I'm not going to say some of those things. <laughs> but it's amazing to me how divisive this has been for us and uh, for us in our culture at large. Um, it really, it really does make me sad and frustrated. Uh, and I know a lot of people feel that way. I'm, I'm know I'm preaching to the choir here to our listeners that everybody just feels this heavy weight of, of loss, you know, um, I'm curious what the next few months bring. And I'm, I'm, t- I, I'm a glasses half full guy. <laughs> so I'd like to think I'm not, you know, Pollyanna pie in the sky, but I am positive and I'm still hopeful that the church, the church thrives in hard times. Mm-hmm. The church of Jesus historically thrives in hard times. Now it may on the surface look awful, persecution, death, suffering. Uh, I don't think we're suffering any of those things, but loss, loss of numbers, engagement, but the mission of the church just becomes more clear to us. The call to what we're supposed to do, who we're supposed to be, uh, to me, just gets more clear in the hardest of times. So that that just keeps me hopeful. Even in even in this divisive, maybe that's be my wrap up statement. Even in this divisive time, that is in contrast to what what it felt like twenty years ago. Uh, I just get excited that oh things are messier. Let's go be the church. You yeah. know, okay, things are harder. Let's let's go be grace givers that mm. God called us to be. That that excites me. So. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's just weird not knowing how to move forward, and you know, looking at you, you look at a year that when this happened in uh, in in March of 2020, and and everything it caught us by surprise. You know, it was like, oh, we don't know how to respond to this. Uh, we'll figure this out as we go, and then still feeling like I don't really know, like what's the best way to step forward. You know, yeah. how do we keep taking steps and being safe and and uh, you know all that. So it's it's um. It's interesting to say the least. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, so we we are continuing in our uh, our our journey through the Book of Acts, and uh, so I thought we could dive into to Acts a little bit this week. Um, and uh, I thought there was just a couple things that that stood out to me. Um, I thought one of the things you said as as you talked about the story of the uh, the blind man uh, was it Peter and Paul. Peter and Peter and Peter and John, the crippled man. Yeah, you said blind. Oh, I did right. Yeah, yeah. sorry. His legs were blind. His legs were blind. Yes, His legs were blind. His yeah. legs could sorry. not see. Yeah, they could not. <laughs> it's a common occurrence, apparently. Yes. Um, and it was Peter and John. Yeah, I were, said Peter and Paul, you, but were I you said there? Peter. I, I wasn't there watching. I wasn't listening at all. Um, <laughs> I said Peter and Paul because you 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 made that that uh, that comment earlier about robbing robbing Peter to pay Paul and it was robbing Peter to pay John. Yeah, right. Robbing, robbing Peter, pay John. Um, but so, so the, uh, the the healing that occurs there, and um, but I thought it was interesting that as you started to talk about the the other times that Jesus could have healed, he could have done something about this guy because he probably went past him, mm. you know, several times. And I don't think we think about um, 
we don't think about that. The I'm, I'm, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I don't tend to think about the times in the Bible that it's like, what about the in between time that Jesus would have gone here all the time? Like this is not this is not a new like oh he randomly went this way one time right. to meet this one random person, but it's not a huge area like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Jerusalem. We're not talking and, about a city surrounding of, of three million, right? You know, is like these are these are pretty pretty yeah. small areas, and the distance between them is not crazy. Of course, if you're walking, it's a little bit different, you know, but. Well, to your point, when we're not, when we're filling in between the lines, yeah. when we're speculating, you always got to be careful. Yeah. But I think what I hear you saying, and certainly what what I see to be true, is there's the the odds of Jesus not walking by this particular disabled man mm-hmm. near the temple multiple, multiple times mm-hmm. is slim, incredibly slim. Yeah. You know, which more to the point, how many other opportunities did Jesus have to heal that he didn't heal? Yeah. How many other opportunities did Jesus have to reach out the right hand mm-hmm. literally to people? And he didn't. And that's, that's a fascinating question to me, you know? Yeah. Um, and so then you, you said that the, uh, the, the mission of Jesus was not to heal people, but to reveal. Mission. Yes. Right. Uh, but to reveal the kingdom of God. And so mm. I was just like, man, that's, that's so interesting. And, and I think we struggle, you mm. know, as I, scroll through Facebook and see people that have people dying, um, yes. you know, r- friends that are dying from things or um, loss of uh, loved ones. And, you know, we, we always have that in our minds of, but why, why this one or, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, man, but that's not, that's not the mission of, of Jesus. It's not the mission of the church to make everything perfect and happy and easy that we still suffer and we still deal with loss and mm-hmm. grief and, and, yeah. you know, buckets of it and sometimes you know when it rains it pours and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that we it's what is it was it the book um the uh, uh misreading scripture that we've talked about a couple of times mm-hmm. um with, with western eyes that mm-hmm. what goes without saying in our context we just fill in the extra areas the gaps in between with what we know and what we experience and right. so when we you think about you know jesus going from place to place like that's like you know, if I'm filling in the context with my life, that's like, oh, yeah, he was in New York City one time, and then he went to Chicago, and then he went down to Atlanta, and then he came over to Oklahoma City, and then he went, you know, and they went to the West Coast. And, and so it's like everything is so disconnected where it's like, no, nah, he was he was in this, this area, this one town, and he went back and forth all the time because mm-hmm. that's what they did. And mm-hmm. you know, the, and people like people like this guy that are always sitting by the gate or laying by the pool, trying to be the first one in, you know, they're always begging at the doors of the temple. And, and so that's not, it's not like a, a random occurrence that is like, Oh no, he, he had a plan. He had a plan. So I just just thought that was really interesting to think about, think about that, you know, the mission of Jesus not being, um, to heal people primarily, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, he did a lot of those things. Yes. He did miracles. Yes. He changed a lot of lives in those kinds of ways, but, and probably, you know, maybe even more that, than than what we have recorded and and know, right, right. But that wasn't his whole. That wasn't the the main goal. It it is a fascinating. I I think the first time I I, I don't have any new thoughts. If if people don't know that by now, I don't have any new thoughts. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's much new under the sun. I think that's from Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. But the first time on that note, the first time I heard a pastor say, "What happened to?" everybody that he raised from the dead and he just was very dry and he goes like they died Mm. (laughs) and it just that 
thought just stuck with me. Yeah. So, for example... Still a temporary fix. Yes. So, for example, I think of numerous people who you know, have had cancer specifically, and then they go into remission. And, and arguably, they even experience what can only be explained as the doctors are like, we don't see this happening. Yeah. This is crazy cool. So we call it a miracle. Guess what happens to them later? They die. And so I'm not trying to be morbid when I say this. It's just kind of a reality check right. of, okay, if God's, can we, can we all agree, God's ultimate plan is not that he heal and then you never die in this life. You know, it's, it's not that, you know, oh, you get your sight restored and then you live for 300 years. No, it, we still live in a fallen world. We still live in the consequences, not only our own sin, but everybody else's, which includes disease and, mm. and decay. And um, I love that he promises in the end, we're going to experience, I'm going to talk about this this weekend uh, from, from the next part of Acts, we're, we're, total restoration, everything being made new, the end of death and decay. Well, guess what? We're not there yet. Uh, and so, okay, well, then why did Jesus come? What did he accomplish? What, what, is, what was his primary mission? And it was to give us a, a clear picture and taste of the kingdom, uh, which includes his rescue for us personally, from our sin, uh, connection, relationship with him, um, and, and a, a vision of, oh, this is what it looks like for where what God wants done is done. Mm. And we get these little glimpses of it, you know, whether it's a physical healing or it's uh, 171 families in Haiti having what they need for a short time period. Yeah. It doesn't even solve all their problems. Right. But it's, it's a glimpse of this is where what God wants done is done, you know. It's that foster kid who gets taken in, that one kid who gets taken in. This is a picture of where what God wants done is done. Mm. Um, I'm thinking of Ron from our, Ron Renfro from our church who just came to Christ in May, and he was at our rooted group uh, time together yesterday. And I'm just going to say this out loud in the podcast: Ron prayed out loud with us, and then later said, "I've never done that before." Mm -hmm. And it was just it's just a, it, it sounds. Maybe weird, but it's just a little moment, a, a picture of where what God wants done is done. Yeah. Um, that doesn't change the fact that, you know, I gotta I gotta drive home carefully and make sure I don't get cut off by another F two fifty. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fascinating to me. Fascinating to me as well. You know, you know what else? I don't. I don't. I got some good feedback from several people, uh, just on a fun note of the cartoon sketches. Oh yeah. And I just, I just wanted to say i love the visual i wish if i could draw like that i would probably our, any church i'm pastoring <laughs> probably get stuck with a lot of that for me because i just i can't draw but i love to be able to find resources like that it makes me think of comics i was a huge comic book kid terry johnson and i have laughed and talked a lot about comic books and uh terry we were talking about the action bible if anybody's ever seen that it's like a graphic novel version of the bible and it's it's really cool, and I've enjoyed it. My kids have enjoyed it. Unfortunately, it's it's one hardback volume, and so because it's pictures mostly, it doesn't it doesn't you know include every part of the Bible. But Terry just this summer gave me a three volume set as a gift of of the graphic novel version of the Bible, and I I haven't <laughs> spent nearly as much time in it as I would like, and and not enough time to just heartily recommend it to everybody, but. Just as a comic book kid, as one who loves the visual, as one who, e even though I was doing the teaching, I just thoroughly enjoyed the pictures, 
that helped bring that scene to life for me. Yeah. Um, I love that stuff. So maybe we can even incorporate occasionally just some, some storyboard pictures. Sounds like you need to go, uh, we need to like send you off to drawing school. You can go to, you can go to art school. There's no hope. No, (laughs) no, there's no hope. Okay. Okay. So here's, so proof that I was there yesterday. Um, since you don't believe me, um, why, uh, from those pictures, and maybe you can speak to this or, or, well, I hope you can, because otherwise it's dumb. But why was Peter so ripped next to John? Like, I understand a lame man <laughs> that, that literally sits and begs, but John is like a stick. Like, he's got nothing to him. Yeah. His arms are just, they're hanging. And then if you look at that picture, like, Peter is like, rah, like, here's my arm. And and it's like, not only is he reaching out for this guy, but, it, like, he's going to, like, yank him up and throw him in the air. Like, he's going to launch him onto his feet. I was just interested. I was like, why, why is Peter so muscly? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, <laughs> I learned, when I was in seminary, I learned that Peter was a huge CrossFitter. He was a CrossFitter, yes. that's right. Yes, John was a denier of CrossFit. John, he just John, didn't believe in it. John <laughs> thought it was overpriced uh, and just really didn't enjoy the community aspect of it. He was more of a he's more of a uh, a yoga guy. He was, he was a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Peter was definitely a CrossFitter. There's no yeah. doubt. There's no uh, doubt. Apparently, apparently. I, I mean, judging from those pictures, like. That was funny. One I, of them is. By the way, when I pointed to Peter on the on the TV, and I'm like, clearly this is Peter. He's the big guy. Like I was totally off the cuff. I'm just making that up in the moment. I didn't. I don't think I said it the next service, but it just makes sense to me that Peter would be the 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 big guy. So know? okay, so that was that was John's recording of it, correct? No, not the no, pictures. It was, no, it was Luke's. It was Luke. Okay. Uh, but the pictures were some yeah, pastor. The who pictures. Was not there. The pictures were obviously Peter's <laughs> perception of it. Uh, um. I can't, I can't, I can't remember in the moment. Did, uh, did does the verse specifically say that Peter reached out his yes, hand? Yes, it does okay. say Peter reached out his right hand. So maybe that's why. Maybe. John, oh yeah. So we know the big guy was Peter. Maybe John Hello? was just, you know, maybe John was just weak. Like he just couldn't. Uh, it was yeah. like, well, I'm gonna have to do this anyway. So might as well let Peter do it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> John. John boldly declared. No joke. He boldly declared in the gospel he recorded that he was the disciple Jesus loved. He did do that, yes. Yeah. So yeah. it does fit. He just was very, I always com- thought that, very comfortable. I, I always thought that skin. was pretty bold. That was a pretty bold statement. That, yes. Well, there were all these disciples, but but I was the one that he loved. <laughs> I love that. Just FYI. Just to be know. clear, I was the They're first. all arguing about they're all arguing about which one's <laughs> gonna sit next to you in the kingdom of God. And you know, which one's, you know, in the when they're having that <laughs> argument and Jesus is like, guys, shut up. <laughs> And then John's over there, like, writing all this down. He's like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to tell them later. <laughs> writing his gospel. By the way, I was the awesome one. Maybe I'm not as ripped as Peter, but Jesus loved me more. I wonder what Peter maxed out at. I'm going I'm to give it 285. <laughs> I don't know. Is that his PR? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you talked about the um, the extension of the right hand versus yeah. the left hand, and how Im- important that actually is in uh, in that culture. Where again, we go goes without saying, like we don't know what that means because it's like, yeah, I just reached out. Maybe he was just right handed, not left handed. But but the um, um, the unsanitary version of your of your hands, the left side there, mm-hmm. that uh, um, that is that that was just I thought that was interesting. But then to take it beyond that to 
um, not only, and we've talked about this before, like when you're, when you turn the other, you know, we talked about turning the other cheek and you're looking them in the eye, you're forcing them to see the humanity in you where, where what John is doing, or not John, excuse me, he's the skinny guy. What Peter, the, the, the big guy is doing is reaching down his, his, you know, extremely muscled right arm to lift this guy up and, and to see him as an equal where the guy sitting at the side, you know, sitting on the side of the road begging is, mm. is very much not an equal in that society. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me think another, another, um, I want to say fictional, but that's not the right word. Another portrayal of these events, uh, that we, you know, we don't have video footage, obviously <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. We don't have pictures, but like to think back to the chosen, we've referenced, you know, the recent mm-hmm. television production called the chosen, which again, anybody listening who has not watched the chosen, you're doing it wrong. So good. It's so good. Seriously. Uh, but they take some liberties of portraying the first disciples. They yeah. are the chosen that it refers to and, and the, oh, okay. their interaction with Jesus. And <laughs> you're such a punk. And, but what I love is Peter is, is, I think, presented so accurately from the Scriptures. He's a knucklehead fisherman who doesn't get at all why Jesus would you know, ask a tax collector, a traitor mm. to his people, to be one of his followers. Yeah doesn't get at all Simon the Zealot coming along and joining their crew, the militant, you know, guy who wants to mm-hmm. violently overthrow, overthrow. Him. you know, it doesn't, he doesn't get the different, he doesn't get Thomas. He does, the way they interact and to watch that portrayal, knowing it's transformed down the road into Peter extending his right hand mm-hmm. to this disabled man. Who's a reject, you know, a social reject to thinking about what we're going to read about way later which is where God really opens up his eyes to see all the, the, the gospels for the whole world, the gospels for the non-Jews that he has been trained his whole life. You don't touch those people. You don't interact with those people. And so that image of Peter reaching out with his right hand to me, I think that's one of the most powerful images I can think of in Scripture, hmm. especially the more we understand of how big a deal that was, for sure. I think I think we get stuck on the healing and the incredible physical restoration of this guy. Understandably so, because we can identify with that. Oh, my friend who has cancer, I want that for them. My my family member who has COVID right now, I want that for them. And I think we can miss the force for the trees. We can miss how how incredibly significant this was beyond physical healing. Uh, full restoration of status and relationship and uh, hope, love. It's just, it's, it's so amazing. So amazing to me. Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to word this in my head so that it makes sense. But um, as we, uh, as we, as we wrap up here, um, you started. You, you you talked about. Um, you referenced. Uh, I think it was Second Corinthians and the ministry of reconciliation. Um, that is also, you know, to me is is another thing that's like this is one of the things that God gave us to do. That Jesus gave us to do. It wasn't wasn't necessarily go heal everybody, but how do we reconcile? Um, to the people around us. And so, uh, again, bear with me as I'm trying to wrap my my thoughts around this in the moment, but. Um, as, as you think about the ministry of reconciliation um, and how that might be confusing or how that might be um, construed as something specific to what our society is dealing with, you know, the last decade or so, but 
how do we how do we continue to to pursue a ministry of reconciliation in a divided country, mm. um, in a pandemic that we don't agree on how to deal with or or what should be done um, coming out of twenty years of war, uh, you know, with with uh, with people on the other side of the world, with um, you know Muslim people here in the in in Wichita Falls even that. Uh, that don't believe the same things that we do, and you could obviously take that to a bunch of different uh, religions or tribes or, or you know, different parts of Christianity, if you will. Um, so how how do we take that ministry of reconciliation that he's given us specifically to go and do, and you know, apply all, apply that to our lives in this kind of a context where it's like you know we're we're treating people as equal. We're seeing this this guy who. The society didn't treat as equal, and we're raising him up to be equals with us, saying, "No, you are worth it. You are worthy of mm. being equal with me." Like, how do we take that and apply it to our lives? That is a whopper of a question, Brooke. <laughs> Easy one to just you know finish with over a minute and a half. Um, I mean, I didn't say you only had a minute and a half. I just said, "Well, people everywhere that are still with us uh, miraculously <laughs> are thinking, please only go a minute and a half." No, in all seriousness. Um, you're hitting the nail on the head in such a, uh, a hard divided culture, um, a hypersensitive culture, a cancel culture is huge, you know, uh, so much animosity being expressed, uh, between people groups. In some ways I'll, I'll go back to my glasses half full. It's exciting to me because the, the beauty of the humility that is in Christ likeness, the selflessness that reflects who Jesus is in us, uh, the love and grace and patience. I mean, you go down the fruit of the spirit, you know, mm. it should be that much more clear and attractive. Um, and so that excites me. Now, now the difficulty of, of being effective or the difficulty of, uh, being fruitful in this culture, I, I grant that. Um, but I just think when I see angry people, when I see really hurt, frustrated, angry people, which you can you can insert the subject matter, you know, right? Uh, I just want to go. Okay, where where are the Jesus followers? Mm. Where are the disciples of Jesus who are humbly, selflessly loving really well? Um, I don't think it's rocket science. I think there, I think, I think we do get distracted, including myself with, with things that are what, what one author I read recently calls disputable matters. You know, there's, there's a lot of things we could disagree on that really aren't central to the gospel, uh, that aren't much more than personal preferences or maybe just different convictions because we read the same Bible differently, but they're not the core elements of what really matters. And I think that's one of the most challenging aspects of this, this topic is, okay, how do we not get bogged down in things that we can actually disagree on? And, and so I think it brings it back to the simplicity of how do we love other people really well? How do we, how do we put our, what does Philippians two say, you know, to have the attitude of Jesus to, to empty ourselves like he did to put ourselves second and others first, I think everything else flows from there, you know? Uh, and then when they watch us do that, when the watching world sees us doing that, 
yeah, they might think we're crazy, but it's because, as Paul writes, it's it's the love of Christ that's compelling us, that's controlling us. Um, so, golly, we're not trying to wrap it up in a bow. It's really messy. It's hard. Uh, there's a lot of my friends here at Colonial, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that are really frustrated, that are expressing anxiety, uh, some of whom are even angry about things. And I just... I just want to remind our people as your pastor and as your friend and your brother in Christ, um, our call is pretty clear. It's to lay down our lives. It's to die well. Uh, it's not to win. It's not to win the argument. It's not to be right. Uh, it's, it's to die really well and to point people to Jesus, uh, to die to ourselves. Um, and let the results in his lap, so to speak. Um, golly, I don't know how to land that plane. That's okay. Well, and and I was even even as you're as you're talking about that, I'm thinking you know, I probably should have started here. But what is a ministry of reconciliation? Mm. I think I think it's so easy to say that because we read it in the scripture, and then you know it's it's churchy. It can be a churchy phrase. Oh, it's the ministry of reconciliation. But is that is that trying to convince somebody to become a Christian? Is that um, is that uh, you know trying to get someone to understand from our point of view and our perspective? No, you're you're wrong, and this what this is what you should believe, and this is what this is the truth is. Oh, you're what asking, is that ministry? You're of asking a great question, and I think my short answer is reconciliation is not about ideas. Reconciliation is not about agreement or disagreement. Reconciliation is about relationship. Uh, reconciliation is when a relationship is restored. So. First and foremost, it's about relationship between us and God. Yeah. It's, it's, when we're talking to anybody else, it's about relationship between them and God. And everything else comes from that. When, when our relationship with God is restored through the work of Jesus, and we experience forgiveness, and we experience new life, and the fruit of the Spirit is going to start coming out of us, it is going to translate every time into reconciliation between us and other people. And it's going to translate every time into our desire for other people to be reconciled, their relationships to be restored with each other. So it's all about relationships. So it's not about us figuring out a way to all agree. That's not reconciliation. It's about relationship restoration. Mm -hmm. I think that's central to understanding this. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it starts, with, it starts with us and our connection to God. It's not, let's all get along. Hey, let's get... It's not even this, you know, noble, this, this noble, you know, thought of let's get different people groups, let's get diversity and let's get all these people groups to get, no, no, it starts with restoring relationship between people and God. And from there, the natural result is going to be people very different than ourselves connecting and actually having relationships and loving each other and, and treating each other with with dignity and honor and respect and advocating for the other because it's just going to flow from the love of Christ in us. I really believe that. I really do. It's good. Yeah. Okay. I think you wrapped it up. All right. Maybe with a bow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um next week we're continuing down the road. You mentioned this earlier, but what are we what are we looking at next week? I can't tell you. Um, oh wait! <laughs> just rewind. Just look. Just look <laughs> at the next couple pages uh, in the Book of Acts. We're gonna we're gonna press forward 
Don't do any overthinking right now, all of our listeners, about how long it's going to take us to get to the book of Acts. Don't even worry about that right now. Uh, the pace is going to take care of itself. But in all seriousness, read the book of Acts. Read chapters 1, 2, 3 uh, again this week. Uh, if you want to dive into chapter 4, you can. But but spoiler alert, just read through the end of chapter 3. will be adequate. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Okay. We've got a, a special event coming up in just a, a three weeks that I just want to tease. First weekend of October, special event at Colonial. That's it. You'll hear That's more. You're gonna you'll hear with. more about that later. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You gonna make me go on stage again and talk about that? You know what? I think we all learned this probably weekend. Probably not. You've got a great. We're probably face not gonna do that for a podcast. <laughs> Hey, that's all right. That's all right. I can live with that. Well, um, okay. So we're going to pause the conversation here. Uh, we're going to uh, say happy 25th anniversary to Lori again, and um, and we'll move forward. So this has been the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com, or you can download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. We'd love to hear from you. We want to involve your conversations, your questions, your concerns, your thoughts, your feedback into what we talk about here, in the, and you can email us at podcast at colonialchurch.com. And thanks for listening as always. So we'll pick up the conversation next week. Mm-hmm.